Well, hello, Miss L. How are you? Amazing. How are you? It's so good to be with you. <laughs> good to see you. Great, great, great. Nice day. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to engage in this conversation on professional wellness. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm always willing to share my experiences and my reference to help evolve the conversation and mm -hmm. the actions behind the conversation as well. So thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, so this is this um, podcast is all about really delving into um, what are the different um, experiences that people have had that have um, alerted them to how they either are or are not professionally well. Um, mm. So what does professional wellness mean to you? And uh, tell us about a time in which a, an experience where you really had to realize, wait a minute, this is impacting my wellness as a professional. So for me, professional well, wellness means the freedom to be able to bring your whole self into an environment and be able to offer your skill sets, your thoughts, your experiences in a full throttle way without fear of um, retaliation, without mm -hmm. fear of being diminished in any kind of way, or without fear of being judged, ridiculed, or fired because of something you said or because of someone else's um, insecurities or perception of you. And so for me, I begin in all things with freedom. And mm -hmm. my, my definition of freedom is very simple. It's agency of choice and voice. Um, and so when you don't have agency of choice and voice in any environment, your freedom is impeded. And I think that applies in the, in the environment of corporations as well. So when you're in a professional setting and you feel like you have to muzzle yourself or you feel like you're not making your choices based on, you know, what make what feels good to you, what's integral to you, um, and you're having to temper that in some kind of way in order to um, navigate an environment that's unhealthy. I think that's that's when you know this is this is not quite right. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, actually, you know what? I jumped ahead because I was so ready to hear from you about professional wellness that I did not introduce you. I did not give you an introduction. So let me back this up to uh -huh. this is Miss L. Michelle, and I have your bio listed because you have so many amazing things. Oh, so you. I can't even, I can't think of it from the top of my head. So your career spans more than 20 years serving in progressive risk management and insurance roles. And I met you at the beginning of um, uh, when I was deciding to open a private practice and your focus on making sure that you are prepared for uh, or you're preparing for risk management in your business was so integral. And I remember it all these years later, um, but your rich life and career experiences um, coupled with your love for serving people and problem solving is what helps you be a thoughtful and impactful life coach. You are the founder and CEO of Intelligent Intentions, LLC. Yes. And you reside in Atlanta, Georgia. 
I am. I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Um, so today I'm an entrepreneur and I serve people in a way of, you know, risk management for small businesses, as well as coaching people through a variety of transitions, because that's when um, risks show up the most, right? When you're transitioning, it's the biggest opportunity for loss, but it's also the biggest opportunity for gain. And so basically I apply the risk management discipline to people's lives in that way from coaching through transitions. And then I also... Um, talk to nonprofits and small businesses to help them understand the importance of risk management at, at all levels of business so that they can then either prepare to do business with bigger companies or prepare to be in business longer and more sustainably in their own lane, because it's a discipline that people don't talk about often. And you know, you need an accountant, you don't need a lawyer, you know, you need some insurance, maybe, you know, somebody <laughs> asking for it. But yes. don't talk about the discipline of risk management enough. And so I'm really passionate about that topic and that discipline and I went to school to do this on purpose in 10th grade but in corporate I never found my odds I never found the perfect place to do what it is that I do and to exude that passion in a way that was embraced mm -hmm. uh, because oftentimes I would show up passionate and knowledgeable and all the things and because people who I reported to were not as passionate or as knowledgeable it was met with um it was not embraced. I'll just say that it was met okay. with a variety of responses, but embracing um, was not often one of those responses. You know, they wanted the work. They just didn't want me to get credit for the work. They mm. wanted um, the passion, but they didn't want the passion to sit in my lap. You know, they wanted to borrow that yeah. um, to make themselves look good and to make themselves, um, you know, the the star of the show. So it's, you know, so it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about corporate wellness as it relates to risk, as it relates to me, but as a risk manager, um, I think corporations get this wrong because the thing that they manage risk the least are people. And that's the biggest and most important mm -hmm. opportunity for organizations to manage their people better because your people can make or break you, right? Um yes. And it's very interesting. Um, so you asked me earlier about an opportunity when I was in places where I didn't feel well. It feels like it has happened in like, you know, more than one situation. So um, so I'll, I'll just tell you one story. Uh, very, very new to the industry. Graduated from college. Um, went to work for the largest insurance company in the world. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is exciting. Um, if you look on my LinkedIn, you can see that I'm a bit of a recovering job snob. Like all of my jobs would be like with the biggest and the best and the <laughs> you know, national, you know, multinational organizations because I was building a global career and I felt like my my skill sets, my education lended itself to putting me in those kind of um, environments. And so that's what I did. And so um, I had a great time. I was recruited and it was like, oh, now that you're here, figure it out. And it's like, oh, okay. So I, I figured it out. And then I went over into the world of risk management and I was recruited by a major company and they were um, selling all the things, right? The creative energy is downtown. You can have, we had, we had um, half days on Fridays, you know, it was all the fun. I was like, oh, this, hey, like they sell me all the things, like, let's do this. And I got there and I had a boss who was treacherous. Mm. Every suggestion I made, she was totally against it. Every and I'm a I'm I'm a process person, like I'm all about efficiencies because I don't want to waste my mm -hmm. time. So if we could do this in half the time with the technology, I'm all about technology. Um 
I'm a generation Xer, so I grew up with technology as it was evolving. And my mother was very into technology. So we always had the latest and greatest, whatever it was. And so I'm like, I mean, I know how to do this, but I know it could do something better. I know it could be more official. I know we could, mm -hmm. we could ask a question to figure this out. So I'm always thinking in those terms in all areas of my life, so especially at work. And I recall that we were pulling um, DMV records because from an insurance perspective, you can't drive our cars unless we know what you got going on, you know. Yes. So we pulled DMV records um, as a part of our role, and it would take three and a half days to get it back. Oh, wow. It's like, um, no, this should not be the case. We should be able to go online or be able to do something and get them this. And the lady was older than me. She was probably my mother's generation. She was sending a fax. Some of these kids don't even know what a fax is these days. <laughs> sending a fax request, and it was coming back in like two and a half to three days. And I was just like, there's no way. But some people will wait to the last minute and say, I need to drive this car tomorrow. And she would just be like, well, you got to wait four days. And I'm like, no, surely we can serve them better. Surely mm -hmm. we can figure this out. And so I went online. It cost us nothing except for the energy and effort to do it. The account that we had was already set up in a way that we can do it, like in literally 25 seconds. And so I went online. I figured it out. I pulled it up. And she got so upset with me because she said I made her look bad. Because she had already told them it's going to take them four days. Now, I didn't just give it to them and say, here you go. I gave it to her and said, mm -hmm. have it quicker and you can go ahead and, you know, give it to them. And she just came apart. And everything, every suggestion I made in that area, trying to make the company better because she felt like it made her look bad. She was opposed to it. And so what I learned in that situation is that even though you go to big companies that are, you know, committed to technology, the company can have all of these written commitments that they want to have. But if the people, the managers are not in place and their socio-emotional dexterity is jacked up or they are feeling insecure or they're, mm -hmm. you know, confronted with, you know, feeling competition or whatever the case may be, all the things that they're grappling with, they either amplify and execute on those um intentions of the company or they don't and this lady was not and this was a company that was very technology savvy very committed to technology and i was on brand with the company and everything i was doing but because she was afraid of being left behind or because she didn't want to learn or grow or evolve she made me the problem instead of sitting and understanding that she needed to evolve and grow um and so I learned then that, oh, big companies are interesting and exciting, but it gives people the opportunity to hide. It gives a lot of strange people an opportunity to hide. And then it's things just don't get done. And so they spend a lot of time and energy and money um, not investing in the managers and not holding the managers accountable for implementing the intentions of the organization overall into everyday activities. So yeah, so that was the that was a early career opportunity. And I was just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can have you can be in the industry that it's wow, this is this is the epitome. This is I'm on the trajectory of where I want to be, but then you're being silenced or not fully appreciated which impacts how you are well overall as a professional. It was, I don't have thin skin. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very urban and I'm very, you know, mm -hmm. um, full throttle in my expression. You know, I'm, I don't have thin skin at all. And I would, you know, try to, and I'm a problem solver. So I'm like, 
help me understand what's going on here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, make it make sense. But at the end of the day, I was trying to make sense out of nonsense. And that's mm -hmm. why I was, you know, just kind of circling like, wait a minute, I don't understand what's going on. It wasn't going to ever make sense because she didn't make sense mm -hmm. um, because she was dealing with some things that had nothing to do with me. Um, but I was, you know, the person that was getting dumped on because I was there. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was very um, difficult. But I learned that people um, are interesting and they tie themselves to big brands for different reasons. I tied myself to a big brand because I felt like it was on brand for who I was and what I offered to the organization. She tied herself to it for significance because she felt like mm. black significance and she needed to feel significant to be there. Yeah. Um, and so I came from a partnership perspective and she came from um, a different lens on why she was there. And so our why was very different. And so as we it met at the intersection of this organization, it just, it didn't work out. Um, and so it was very difficult to be there. I mean, I would have stomach aches just having to deal with this woman. Mm. She would go in her office and slam, she would come to my office, say something to me, and then go in her office and sl literally slam the door. Wow. As if we're in like a domestic violence relationship. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> What's happening? She's slamming doors? Like, really? <laughs> and it was just, I think she was dealing with some, some mental health challenges that were mm -hmm. un- unmedicated or undiagnosed or uh, certainly unresolved in some kind of capacity mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't the only person she treated that way. I was okay. just a new on the block. The other people had, you know, I guess she had run her course with them, but they later told me, you know, the stories as well. Um, okay. I'm not tolerant of foolishness like that. So I was, I was not there long enough to tolerate it. I mm -hmm. ran things up the, the flagpole. And when I saw that HR and nobody was willing to, um, do anything to evolve the organization and the department, then I um, I found another opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you're, you, you discussed that because it, it made me reflect on a time where my overall wellness was impacted by the environment that I was working in. And I also decided to leave. I decided to leave because the stress, mm -hmm. the um, responses, the disrespect that I was receiving, yes. it was intolerable. It was intolerable. I, I really enjoyed working with the population. I love the area, but working in that particular environment and mm -hmm. not seeing anyone um, fully addressing my concerns I was going to be emotionally stunted by right. remaining in that environment. It just wasn't helpful. I mean, it, it was to the point where the last, my last day working there, I put in my notice um, and my last day they had a, a staff meeting, but because it was my last day, they told me, you just stay in the office and, and cover the phone. Wow. So I said, I know punctuate your experience by diminishing you it's like oh exactly oh wait this is this could be my going away this could right. be like hey let's treat you to appreciation of all that you've contributed to the organization they went to a restaurant answer the phones exactly you you just say and you answer the phones that confirmed that you made the right choice that confirmed that me remaining in that space was not contributing to my overall wellness yeah, that's so sad that people get caught up in, you know, because companies don't run themselves, right? They don't run themselves at all. People run the companies. Mm -hmm. 
and people get caught up in so caught up in their title or their significance. And what I have figured out is that they're not significant anywhere else in the world. Mm. So they come to work and they source all their significance in that place. They're not significant mm-hmm. at home and their relationships with their children anywhere else. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I see what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You need some help and support. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous that, you know, people need to come to work to be an emotional terrorist um, because they don't feel <laughs> anywhere else in the world. And, um, yes. Unfortunate, but it's true. And so the corporate culture has turned into like, you know, elevated high school. <laughs> I don't know how elevated it is, mm. like, where you got the mean people and, you know, just kind of go back and forth. So mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, you have to love yourself enough to lift and shift yourself out of that experience. And one litmus test for me, I don't have biological children, but I have a quite a few people that I mentor and love and nurture in a variety of ways. And so my litmus test for me is if one of my children was in this environment, would I encourage them to stay? If I saw them in this environment, would I pick them up and say, no, nope, my baby will not be, you know, mm-hmm. tolerating this foolishness. So that's my check for myself because oftentimes we will put up with things mm-hmm. that we would never, ever recommend that our children put up with, that we would never recommend anybody that we love and care for put exactly. up with. And so I call it self-parenting. Why have to sit back and say, you know what? If this is one of my children, how, how would I respond? And then I self-parent and treat myself like I'm one of my children. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no, this is what we're not going to do. I love me enough to go. And yeah. that's another opportunity which was a great opportunity um and moved you know on from there so yeah good that's great and when I when I think about you I'm going to show you my beverage of choice is was with you in mind yeah black girl magic I love it black girl magic bubbly rosé and I got this because this is what when I think about L. I think about Black Girl Magic. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Yes. So when you think about, when you, in your, the, well, tell me more about being a life coach mm-hmm. and the people and organizations that you, how you select them and how do you know that overall it's help, it's contributing to your wellness um, versus taking away, given that you had that experience in corporate America, how do you implement the checks, the wellness checks to ensure that you are not in another situation in which you're being disrespected or disregarded? That's a good question. So I love being an entrepreneur because I get to choose, right? I, have, mm-hmm. I mean, I can hire and fire clients. I can say, nope, that's not going to work for me. I don't have capacity. No, I don't think we're a good match. I do discovery calls with my corporate clients as well as individuals. Mm-hmm. And that's like just that discovery. We're talking to each other. We're filling each other out. We're trying to understand. Um, and I do that for a couple of reasons. One, because I know who I am. I know what I offer. I know the value that I bring. And so I want to make sure that their intention for connecting with me is well aligned with that. And it's on brand. Um, because sometimes, as you know, people will call a coach because they need a therapist, but they don't want the stigma attached to being a therapy. And they'll say, oh, no, I'm just going to give me a life coach because it's cute and it's sexy to say, girl, I got me a life coach versus, oh, I got to go see my therapist. Yes. And so even though life coaching is not a regulated field, therapy very much is. And as a risk manager and person who loves themselves and their freedom very much, <laughs> I understand that, you know, um, operating as a therapist when you are not a therapist and, you know, towing that line is a very, um, is actionable. 
and can get you into uh, quite a bit of trouble. And so I don't ever want to um, misrepresent who I am or what I do or what my skill sets are and what my credentialing is. And so I want to make sure people understand this is coaching. Coaching is just like um, any other coach. You start mm-hmm. at healthy, right? A football coach wouldn't coach somebody with a broken ankle, right? Yes. A basketball coach wouldn't coach somebody who had a busted knee. So I'm not coaching mm-hmm. somebody who has some challenges that they have not yet resolved with mm-hmm. the proper um, professionals, the proper medical professionals, therapists, yes. these things. And so that's my explanation to them. Coaching starts at healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Coaching starts at healthy because it's forward looking. Now, if you're talking about some stuff that happened back in the day and what grandma and them did to you and all this stuff, no, 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 no. You don't need me. You need a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I have five or six therapists on my list that I'll say, okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to work well together, but I have these therapists that usually are in the Atlanta area. Because I'm, I'm based in Atlanta, but I have a global reach. Um, but a lot of my people that come to me that want to work with me one-on-one are in the Atlanta area because that's kind of where my network is. So I have five coaches, I mean, five therapists in Atlanta that I will give them the list and say, you know, reach out to one of them, let them know I sent you. It, it that I don't get any money or anything mm-hmm. from it, but just as a contribution to the community to say, yeah, I'm not what you need. <laughs> I am not what that you need. That is, that and is so that, great. Know. That right. is so great because in that, like you were sharing, just as in any coach, it's you, you coach from a starting place of healthy. And as a therapist, when someone comes and I know, hey, there is a diagnosis that is not being treated before we can work together because I'm not a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. you need to go get go to a psychiatrist i will give you a referral get your diagnosis and medication and then we can work together so that we can truly work towards what you need but if you're not getting the right support then what you're looking from for from me is misguided and you're going to be disappointed when Mm -hmm. you don't get the result that you're needing but you're not starting from the place where you need to start from. Exactly. That's so important. And I do have clients and I have um, coached clients that are in therapy that have therapists, but I'm very mm-hmm. clear with them and I have them to talk to their therapist, let them know what they're doing with me, get some clearance, get some understanding, get some guidance because my coaching is not just, oh, we're going to talk for an hour and then I'll see you next week. No, I challenge them every week. We have lessons, we have conditioning, we have things to do. And mm-hmm. that can be disruptive potentially to mm-hmm. um, anything that they're doing with their therapist. And so I want to make sure, yeah, want to make sure that the therapists know what's going on, who I am, you know, how I move and operate, and give some clearance around it, it being okay. So mm-hmm. the example I give, like if someone is healing from you know a, a busted ankle and they're almost there, right? Mm-hmm. They're very close to getting healed well you may get released from a doctor to do a little bit of conditioning you're not completely healed but you know you can go out and train a little bit you know just don't take it too hard or whatever until you can you know get to the point where you can go out and and run full throttle with the coach so I do have some clients that kind of in that space but I'm very careful with my paperwork and my understanding and my communication to let them know I am not a therapist I am a coach it's going to be difficult you're going to cry you're not going to like me but at the end you're going to get the results and you're going to love that you navigated this space and did the hard work that it took to take you to the next level of your performance in life. 
Yeah. And that's what I offer people from life coaching. Um, and though I don't like use the risk management vernacular, a lot of the framework of what I do is steeped in the discipline of risk management. Um, because I don't think people think about that in a prescriptive way in life. We just kind of mm-hmm. either react based on what we're going from or what we're going to, but we never manage the the both of the matter, you know, mm-hmm. both things. Um, and when you're transitioning, it's not just about, oh, I'm moving this place. So I'm going here. No, what are you leaving from? What are you going to miss? What are you going to mourn? What are you going to, you know, what do you want to take with you? What do you want to leave behind? Let's think about both of the things so that you can have a whole experience where you're not leaving anything on a table and you're not a year later looking back and regretting and so that you're not also jumping out the frying pan into the fire, <laughs> right? Exactly. So like, let's think exactly. about something. Like, why are you doing these things? Are you just reacting and saying, you know, I'm out of here. So I help people sort those mm-hmm. things out and really challenge their thinking and challenge their approach and ask thoughtful questions and get them to understand the big picture and center on, you know, their objectives, not just mm-hmm. be reacting to things because exactly you know, react and just mess up. <laughs> exactly. Because as you were describing about the the job um, that you left and moved into something that was a better uh, placement for you. Sometimes when we leave just to leave, we're jumping, like you said, from you're jumping from the grease to the fire. And it's, you have to be very clear on what is it that I am looking for. I tell a lot of clients who are in unhappy jobs, be very, this is a great opportunity for you when you're going on job interviews mm-hmm. to now that you have this experience, be very clear on your questions that you're asking your future employer. Right. What is the culture? Uh, what are the expectations? What are the 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 timeframes for work? What are you know just so many a plethora all of the things that are not contributing mm-hmm. to your overall wellness in your current position? Make right. sure you're clear to ask those things when you're choosing your new position. I think that's very important. What I think is also important is that you know. Um, I have this tongue-in-cheek thing that I always say that my aunt used to tell me the best advice I ever received in my life is to get somewhere and sit down and be quiet. So <laughs> that's the first thing I tell people to do before you do anything. Mm-hmm. Get somewhere and sit down mm-hmm. and be quiet. Because yes. in those quiet moments, you need to stop and think about who you are, what you want, what are your objectives, center yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot go after somebody to do something all the things for you some things you have to do for yourself and you have to take ownership of those standards and you have to take ownership of how you communicate those standards and so as you create and develop your standards you need to get somewhere and sit down and be quiet and figure out what that is and then you could come from a place of expressing your needs your desires Mm -hmm. um what you you know what you're gonna do what you're not gonna do and these kind of things and when that's clear for you then when you go into these environments it, it don't take you long to mm-hmm. see or to observe like okay this is not going to work for me because you have clarity yes. on your objectives you have clarity on your standards and you have clarity on your ability to articulate that and so two things i t- encourage my clients to do if you're transitioning from a in a career perspective is to um know what you want going into the door first of all know what your deal breakers are your game changes all the things but also 
if you're going to be working in an environment, ask for a tour. Mm. Yes. Energy ain't going to lie. Energy's not going to lie. See who's working next to you. Ask them, where would I, where would I be sitting if I was to be hired? That's a great question. Would I be sitting right here in this dungeon with no windows? <laughs> Look at <laughs> Or, you know, am I going to be amongst, in a well-lit space, amongst people who are happy and exciting mm -hmm. and interesting? Or is everybody around that sucking on lemons and looking crazy? And like, you, that energy is not going to lie. You can feel it mm -hmm. and understand. And if the energy is good, then, okay, ask them if you can speak with someone who's either in a similar role or somebody you'll be working directly with. And talk, and talk to them to say, okay, so how do you like working here? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Have a cup of coffee with them and see what's really good because you spend more time at work, you know, than anywhere else. So yes. it needs to be a, a place that is a brave space and a healthy space for you to be able to be, you know, fully expressed in that space. And if you can't do that, then it's just like, oh my gosh. So, so I love, yeah. so I was telling, I love entrepreneurship because I have the autonomy of voice. Um, I don't have to hand my problems over to anybody. I manage them myself. Um, and it's difficult and it's challenging, but it's the kind of challenge and difficult that evolves me and sharpens me. Whereas in corporate, I felt like the difficulties and challenges diminished me and okay. demeaned me in some kind of way, because if somebody didn't feel like being bothered that day, they didn't have to elevate my complaint. They didn't have to, you know, I had to take it to HR, whether the HR person had other higher priority things to do, then my file got to the bottom of the stack you know what I mean so mm -hmm. you get caught up in the bureaucratic you know complexities of corporations and these middle managers know that and so it buys mm -hmm. them time you know and they know that they can just keep poking and poking and messing with you and they you know have time and so we have to decide are we going to lift and shift and say you know the hell with it or are we going to say, you know what? I deserve to be here just as much as they do. And you got time. I got time too. We're going to fight and figure it out. <laughs> uh, because later in my career, that's exactly what I did. Now, early in my career, I was like, you know what? Let me just find something else to do. Let me just mm -hmm. go on my job. But later mm -hmm. in my career, I was at my dream job and my dream company. And I was just like, I deserve to be here just like she deserves to be here. Mm -hmm. I got time today. So I fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. And it took them almost a year but after they did all the investigations and all the things and, re and redirected all the things, it turned out that she was let go. And mm -hmm. I stayed wow. uh, because I fought and I, I had the confidence in the organization to do the right thing mm -hmm. where I hadn't always had confidence in organizations to do the right thing. Exactly. And that is what you're talking about previously regarding companies not valuing their employees because yep. when you truly believe in an organization then you will stick around because you believe in what they stand for you've right. seen their record their track record and, and all of that and you want you you believe in them enough to stay stick in there so that they can continue to show you who right. they are but if you it's i've already that. seen what i need to know about you i'm out i'm good Right. You could trust in their integrity. Exactly. So, as a company, I trusted, I trusted their integrity. Um, it wasn't easy for me to trust their integrity because they had some history of some things going on. And so I went to a particular person, um, to the treasurer though, and I trusted his integrity. Um, or I, I I'll say this, I didn't I didn't initially trust his integrity. I tried it on. That's mm. what I did. I was like, let, let me, you know what? Let me just try this on. Let me just mm -hmm. see. They keep 
all this lip service, all these commercials. Let's let's see. You're like, you know, what, mm-hmm. what they if they're really about this life. And so I tried it on, and I remember when I left his office, he looked so defeated. And he was like, Can I just ask you one more question? I was like, sure. And he said, Why didn't you come to me sooner? Mm. And I said, You want the truth? And he said, Yes, I do, please. I said, Because I didn't think you would do anything about it. I didn't mm-hmm. trust that you would do anything about it. And so this is me trying you on to see if I can trust the system to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, so I think he took it as a challenge. So he was just like, oh, I got you. And when I tell you, he did all the right things, all the right things. And I was very, um, I felt very good about that. Mm-hmm. I eventually ended up leaving the company anyway for some other things because I was just like, okay. Um, but he did the right thing. And after about a year of back and forth, up and down and putting my manager on like all kind of performance reviews and things like that, eventually, um, mm-hmm. she was let go and she had been with the company for over 20 years. So she wow. thought at that point that she was, you know, irreplaceable and that she was invincible and that she could just do what she wanted to do. And she was a corporate bully and nobody would tell on her. I had people on my team. Oh, don't tell because she'll retaliate. If you know she'll retaliate and that's against the law, why aren't y'all talking? But they were afraid. They didn't want to lose their job. They didn't want to be blackballed. They didn't want to be caught up in the corporate, you know, politics. And I will say that even though they did something about it, I do think later on that I really, that I was blackballed because I did speak up. Other managers didn't, you know, embrace me because they're like, oh, well, she, if she went against her, then yeah. she may go against me. But if you're doing the right thing, why are you worried about that? Exactly. Like, it's intact. You shouldn't be worried about people talking about you and telling on you. Just don't do anything crazy mm-hmm. and treat people well. And you wouldn't have to worry about it. So when managers get mm-hmm. skittish about, you know, working with people who are fully expressed, that gives me a clue that they are potentially the problem because they don't want to be exposed. But if you're not doing anything wrong, how are you exposed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so the corporate world is very interesting, but I like the autonomy. I like the challenges. I like the growth and the evolution that entrepreneurship brings. Yes. And I love being able to handpick my clients and be able to say, I want to work with this company and I want to be able to have impact in this way. And I want to be able to come in and help you to lower your total cost of risk. Because I know that as a subject matter expert, I can come in and really mm-hmm. have an amazing impact. Um, on a project basis or on, you know, a, a short-term basis and then move on. Wow. So, so given the new, the different challenges and the independence and the freedom that comes with being an entrepreneur, what are some signs now that is some indicators for you that you are well professionally? For me, um, I, I take full ownership of my own being. I mean, as an entrepreneurship, I work for me, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I am a stickler for making sure people are taken care of. People are always at the front and center of, of all the things that I do. And so that's no different in, in me running my business. So I have to make sure that I'm okay. So mm-hmm. I proactively put things in place. And this started when I first became an entrepreneur. I didn't wait to like, oh, I got to hit this number and make sure I'm doing this kind of things. And mm-hmm. so one thing I do for sure, um, I've been a member of the High Museum of Arts for 27, 28 years, telling my age. But um, I always thought about, I want to go have art experiences in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. I just think that's cool. Because <laughs> I love creative energy. And I'm like, 
you know, mm -hmm. I'm just going to put on my calendar once a month to just take off on a Wednesday, literally take mm -hmm. Wednesday off, block it off, no, no meetings and go to the museum or go to a play or go figure out the new exhibit that's going on and go have mm -hmm. me some lunch across the street at the Colony Square and hang out and just be with myself. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that's again, me managing risk, which is a proactive approach. So it's on my calendar and it happens. If I don't care what's going on, it, it happens because I have to prioritize myself. Mm -hmm. Also, before and after I coach, I meditate because I want to make sure that all that I'm fully present in the moment with my clients. But I also want to make sure that when it's all over with, that I fully, you know, reset so that I can return to mm -hmm. myself and my stuff. <laughs> right. And I'm not, you know, mixing yeah. energies and all these things. So I'm a bit of an empath and I can take other people's stuff on. So I make sure that I uh, meditate to level set and get and get back on track so that's important for me um as well and then with my corporate clients i know that it's healthy when it's a partnership because that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for passion partners right so we're passionate we're partnering together things are good we're communicating when communication breaks down or when there's some communicate and i'm like wait 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 right wait let's let's level set Let's, let's have a meeting. Let me look you in your eyes. Do we need to get on the Zoom? Do I need to come down? <laughs> like, what we need to do? Guys, if the people ain't right, nothing else is right, right? True. I want to make sure that my people are right. And I have paused projects because I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on with you? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, what's good? Because if their energy is not right and they're not right, moving yeah. forward doesn't matter, right? And so, first of all, mm -hmm. the, all the people involved need to be right. And I have a sense of knowing when something's not quite right. And I think I think um, you could testify to that because I I pause classes. I pause like, wait a minute, hold on. Exactly. Let's make sure we we on the same page and that we're good and the energy's going well. Because I don't care what I'm teaching you. Mm -hmm. I don't care what is going on 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 the screen. If you ain't right and you can't receive it, it doesn't exactly matter. matter. And so I'm very very thoughtful about making sure my people are good, my teammates, as mm -hmm. well as my clients and their team. Mm -hmm. um, I make sure everybody's everybody's good. Yes. And that is, that's so key. That is so key. And it's so important from a leadership perspective, because the same company I was saying that um, I just was not overall well um, while I was there. When I put in my notice, my supervisor told me, well, I, could, I thought something was wrong, but um, I mean, you're so private. You don't, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to ask. But as a leader, if you job to sense ask. that something is wrong, your job is to ask, is there a way that I can help? Yes. What can I do? And you can ask and show concern and consideration without prying to people's business, right? Exactly. Now, um, there, there are ways to do that. Because mm -hmm. I'll just create a space to say, anybody got anything you want to say? Anybody going through anything? You know, mm -hmm. the energy's a little off. What's going on? You know, mm -hmm. do we need to have a private conversation? You know, but we're not going, as my old pastor said, we're not going another further. <laughs> so we <laughs> right? Because if the energy is off, it's like, okay, we're just exactly. we going to figure this out. Because I just think that that's important. If people mm -hmm. don't feel seen, safe, and supported, they, they're not engaging. And if they're not engaging the work product is being compromised in some kind of way yeah and so i think companies miss that all the time they just mm -hmm. want a workhorse robot just to churn the work out but the quality of the work 
and the impact and the overall thoughtfulness around the work is costing you, if, it, if it's not good, it's costing you way more long-term mm-hmm. because something's going to be missing. It's going to be a mistake or a misstep or some loss or something, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't just stop and try to get it right the first time, mm-hmm. right? And so I say all the time, my first risk management teacher was my mama. And she's like, look, you go get it right the first time. Because <laughs> you keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's costing you time and energy and money and all the things. Mm-hmm. Take the time to get it right the first time. And yeah. doing that means that your people are showing up in a way that they can be fully expressed in all the areas, especially in productivity and getting the work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If not, you're losing money. You're losing money by continuously investing in someone else because that person didn't work out or you feel like they didn't work out, but are you checking? Are you making sure that you're bringing what you need to bring on your end? Right. And the tools and the resources that they need in order, all the tools and resources, not just, you know, um, tangibles, but, you know, socio-emotional support, mm -hmm. you know, operating well in community within the organization, all of those things are mm-hmm. they equipped with what they need in order to, yes. to show up well and do the job well. So yes, yeah. all of that is so important. And and last thing I, I know as we're talking about this, I'm just remembering things from my um, career and my first job, it was one where the door was revolving. And we had a saying amongst um, my coworkers, we want, we do not want the short email to go out on us when it's time to go. Because you knew the difference between when somebody was fired versus when they put in um, their notice that they were leaving. And I remember when I left, mine was kind of in the middle. It was not a short email. It wasn't a long email. I think there was some transition. Something was going on in HR. I was like, wait a minute, but now people don't know. <laughs> but my, but it was because there wasn't a lot of investment being put in. It was okay, just hire you and may not work out, whatever. The next job that I went to, it took several months before I was hired there because I had to do a personality test. There were several interviews and they wanted to make sure this is the right fit. And I value that so much. That is valuable to do that upfront. Um, to have those kind of assessments up front because that means that they care exactly. about the environment that they're creating and that they're intentionally curating an environment that's going to be supportive and mm-hmm. evolutionary. And I, I appreciate companies that put in that fourth of effort and energy because it it costs them, it saves them so much time and money and energy on the back end. Yeah, it does. Well, thank you so much for such a great conversation thank on you. professional wellness and the and just bringing up the importance of the companies, the environments, and also doing self-reflection and determining, am I willing to fight for this company? Are they worth it? Or is it time for me to just move on? Yes. Love yourself enough to know the difference and figure it out. So yes, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. It was good to see yes. you. Yes, well, I will list your information on where you can be found mm-hmm. um, and so that individuals can reach out to you for more information because I'm sure they can, as they can hear, it definitely will be beneficial for them to work with you. Oh, thank you. Yes, I am accepting clients, coaching and um, corporate clients for you know risk management um, consulting. So my favorite playground is LinkedIn. 
and they can look my name up, Lawanda L. Michelle Hall. Um, the whole thing is on LinkedIn. <laughs> so they can find okay. me the search. Um, so that's the that's my favorite online playground. So and, and the easiest way to connect to me. Okay. All right. LinkedIn, Lawanda L. Michelle. All yep. right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for engaging in this conversation. And until the next time, be well. All right. Be well. Well, hello there. Welcome to the professional wellness session with Constance. I am your host, Constance Wallace, a professional wellness coach. I cannot wait to dive in and explore different ways we can make sure we are practicing professional wellness in our lives. As a reminder, the information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Go ahead and grab your favorite beverage and get comfy so that we can begin exploring professional wellness. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey to professional wellness by listening to the professional wellness session with Constance podcast. Are you following me on Instagram yet? If not, make sure you follow professional wellness session and you can also find out more information about the private practice, which is positive outlook group about the podcast and about professional wellness coaching by going to my website, www www.positiveoutlookllc.com. I hope you have a wonderful day and continue being well. See you next time.